సహనావతు సహనోనక్తు సహవీర్యంకరవాహై తేజస్వినవధీతమస్తు మా విద్వషావహై దిస్ ఇస్ ఆల్ దర్షిప్ 
As we also know, this is how love always manifests in our life. We love whatever we love. We will find machitaha. We always think of that object of love, or we love to think of that. Madgadapranaha. I always want to do something for the one whom I love. I want to serve that person also, and therefore, pranaha, my organs of action, all of them are also devoted to serving, pleasing them. I always want to please the object of my love. Because that's what gives me joy. Of course I do whatever it is that gives me joy. But when the love is there, then someone, the object of love becomes the, the, the cause of my joy. That's the beauty of it. That but I think about him or think about that person, if it is person, it could be anything. It could be an object also. It could be an animal also. It could be a person. So think about, I, I enjoy thinking about him. I enjoy doing something about him. I enjoy talking about that person also. So, when there are like us who are all equally loved, let's have a teacher, you know. Say, the Guru is object of love. Think, sir. And whenever the devotees or the students meet among one another also, they talk, that becomes the object of discussion also. I mean, some newcomer comes along, what do I talk about? Him alone. So it's how the love always manifests in our life. We are, we are familiar with that today also. So it's not that this devotion or love or reverence is something that is unknown to us. It's very much known to us. It's just because it's called devotion when the object of love becomes God. That's all. Again, whatever I love also is God. Understand? My, I, what I love is God alone. Because when you said what I love is nothing but happiness, I want to be happy. So I love my own happiness. That happens to be God because myself is God and everything is God. As you have said this a number of times, I love happiness. How much happiness do I love? How much happiness? All happiness I can have. I love boundless happiness. How long do I want to be happy? Every moment I want to be happy. If I had my way, I would not want even a moment of unhappiness. Where do I want to be happy? Everywhere and all conditions I want to be happy. If I had my way, I would want to be happy with every condition. So this is what I love. That kind of happiness is what I love. That is what we call unconditional happiness. Happiness in which no conditions. That happiness is confined to a certain time. I don't want that condition. Happiness is confined to a certain place. I don't want that also. Happiness confined to a certain situation, that also I do not want. Happiness confined even in its, uh, even its quantum, that also I do not want. I, if I had my way, today I know that that's not possible, and therefore I settle with whatever I get. That's okay. But if I had my way, I would want unconditional happiness, and that's called Brahman. Satyam, Jnana, Anantam, Brahma. Brahma is Anantam, Anandam Brahma. So, Brahma is Anuchara, Ananda, happiness. What kind of happiness? Satyam. Satyam is that is undecaying, unchanging, which is ever there. Jnanam. Not only happiness, everlasting happiness, but Jnanam, the happiness accompanied with awareness. And aware, full, everlasting happiness. That's called Brahman. And that is what I love. And therefore, whatever I do in my life is always motivated by the desire to get that kind of happiness. So I am, I am a devotee of Brahman, I am a devotee of God, whether I know it or not. Therefore Lord Krishna said, Matva, knowing me, understanding the urge of my own heart, that what I am seeking in my life is that and nothing else. 
देट आई लव समिंग आत्मस्तु काम आय सर्व प्रियम भवती दट वॉट एवर इज आई लव आई लव फॉर सेक ऑफ दट सेल्फ नॉट दिस स्मॉल सेल्फ फॉर सेक ऑफ दट लार्ज सेल्फ द इन्फिनिट सेल्फ आत्मस्तु काम आय सर्व प्रियम भवती वॉट एवर इज डियर टू मी इज डियर फॉर द सेक ऑफ दट सेल्फ for the sake of that unconditional happiness anything that promises me or becomes the object of that happiness becomes the object of my love but through the loving a person or a thing really i love the happiness so when i understand this is how sage arnyavakyas began his teaching of maitrey hey maitrey how to focus how to bring your mind to the focus to the self recognizing that the mind goes to places where the mind is attachment where the mind loves understand that that love is not for the sake of that thing or a being the love is for the sake of the self so each one of us is a born devotee of god <clears throat> and that's all we want that is that is the concept of god that vedanta presents to us no doubt we worship god in a certain form in a certain name in a certain personality called personal god or people worship god in their own way depending upon their own culture depending upon their own upbringing but then we always worship god with a certain concept we need some concept to begin with it is very difficult right away to worship god which is too abstract who is limitless no is without attribute is very difficult for me to relate to that unless i also become like that but so where i am right now i being what i am an emotional person rather a gross person not yet pure enough and therefore i find it difficult to really visualize the concept of the abstract god and therefore i do need a certain aid that's the reason why images and forms are given to us every culture gives some method of how to worship god how to relate to god <coughs> so ultimately of course i begin with relating god with certain attributes because of my need it's not that god is confined to attributes it is not that even when hindus worship god with attributes that their conception of god is confined to attributes no it is only in out of recognition a practical recognition that the mind can only relate to someone or something with attributes that is why the god the form is attributes is given not to confine the god to that form but to help the devotee to be able to relate to god to be able to meditate upon him worship him <coughs> think of him machitah so those people who have their private altars in their home when they worship the god little god it may be a, a picture it may be a little idol it may be a little image it may be little lord krishna but you can you can see this happening to people also that there are devotees of lord krishna little lord krishna child krishna this also we have said a number of times how there is an altar and how some of these women you know their whole day is totally dedicated centered upon the worship of that little lord machita she always think of things of that only all right now this is morning this is what i should do this is noon this is what i should do this is evening this is what the lord would need so to to that person that is not just an image it is live thing and that's how it is treated as i said when it is cold she says oh she must be feeling cold you know and so put a little heat in there so what are you putting heat in before this this is a brass thing is not a brass thing it is a live thing for the devotee when it gets too warm then there is a fan 
So people think that this woman is crazy. And she makes all kinds of ornaments, all kinds of garlands, all kinds of garments with her own hand. That is the main preoccupation that she has. In fact, that in one sect of Vaishnavas I know that, that is equivalent of sannyasa for the women who totally dedicate themselves to the worship of the Lord Krishna. That's called maryada. That's called maryada. Maryada means then she lives a life with lot of discipline and restrictions. Like sannyasa, but in the home. Machitaha, Madhgara whatever she does. She cooks food also for the Lord. Every day some different thing. She cooks, makes garlands, she makes garments, she makes ornaments. All of these are made by hand. Madhgara Pranaha, everything is done for the Lord. Bodhiyantah, Parasparam, all kinds of experiences and feelings that arise in the mind, they talk about that. Kathiyantah, Samanityam, if you meet them then they will tell you all about that. Kushyanti, Jaramanti, they are satisfied with that. They always revel in that. We might dismiss this saying that this is all false thought. It is not. As I said, you begin with God in a given form. And how many great saints have been there in India and around the world? They worship Rama, Krishna, Vichala. Don't think they are ordinary people. So it begins with Vichala. That is a form. Ultimately Vichala is recognized as the universal, as, as the universal self. Tushyanti Jaramantisha, Lord Krishna says, when I thus find my devotee totally focused on me, totally centered on me, totally absorbed in me, and that he worships me for the love of me for no other reason, then I don't let my devotee, even if the devotee worships something that is theoretically not right, let us say. Let's suppose the devotee thinks that this is God. Sometimes people are so, such also. They may not be literate, you know, they think that they are given a particular form. They look upon that alone as God. That is also possible. They could be, as I say, they may not be enlightened people. But Lord says, when I find that they worship me in a given form for the sake of me, then I enlighten them. Dadāme buddhiyogantam. Lord Krishna says, I enlighten them. So we need not be too proud of our enlightenment and study of scriptures. Also, because many people always ask me this question, Swamiji, where did Mirabai go to listen to scriptures? Where did Nasimheta go, you know, to study Vedas and so forth and so on? They were still, if you, if you read their bhajans or read their poems, you know, the enlightenment manifests there. Where did they have the opportunity to study this? I'm sure they had, but they say, after all, God is a partner in the whole thing, you know, it's not that it's a one-sided effort only, He's also there. Dadana buddhiyogantam. I give them the understanding, I give them the enlightenment. By which they know me as I am. They know me as their own self. Out of compassion for them. Out of total concern for them. The though they are totally dedicated to me, so how can I how can I help them? Or how can they be liberated? But that's the purpose. Even if somebody is doing something which is not right as far as the doctrine is concerned, but the basic intention is the same. <coughs> intention is to worship God. Whatever concept of God they have, which may not be the right concept, let us say, but still, the bhava, the, the spirit inside is to worship God. Teshaam eva anukampasam, anukampa, ava compassion and concern for them. Aham agnyarajam tamahanashayami, I dispel the darkness of ignorance in the heart by lighting the lamp of knowledge. 
So Lord Krishna says this is Lord's part also. When the devotee takes one step, they say Lord takes ten steps forward. And so there is, we must know that then we are not alone in this, in this process, that God is always there. We may not see him, but he is always there because he is as much concerned about us as we are concerned about him. And when I say him, I am not even referring to a person as such, I am referring to the, the reality, that is. But then as I say, it's not a mechanical reality. It's a reality which is live. And that's what we call Saguna Brahman, live, with concern, with feelings, because as Lord Krishna said in the ninth chapter, Pitahamasya Jagadaha, Mata Dhata Pitamaha. I am the father of this universe, and I am the mother, and I am the grandfather. Kritirbharta, Prabhustakshi, I am the witness of everything. I am the lord of everything. Nivasaha, everything dwells in me. Sharanam, I am the refuge of everyone. And it remains so whether we know it or not. And thus, in these verses, Lord Krishna said how his devotees get united with him in an unswerving union. <coughs> Hearing this, Arjuna was naturally enthused. He also wanted that. And so, now Arjuna says from the twelfth verse, Arjuna uvacha param brahma param dhama brahma param dhama pavitram paramam bhavan pavitram paramam bhavan purusham shashvatam divyam purusham shashvatam divyam Adideva majam vibhum, Adideva majam vibhum, Ahutvam rushayas sarve, Ahutvam rushayas sarve, Devar shirnara dastatha, Devar shirnara dastatha, Asito devalo vyasaha, Asito devalo vyasaha, Swayam chaiva bravishime, Arjuna says Param Brahma, Param Dhamma, Pavitram Paramam Bhavan. Bhavan, your, your revered sir, self, I, I now understand. Now Arjuna says what he thinks of Lord Krishna. Param Brahma, Lord is indeed Param Brahma. Params is that which is beyond all limitations. That's called param. Deshikala vastu parichheda shunyam. That is devoid of any parichheda, any limitation of time, place or cause or condition. That is called param. So translate supreme or limitless. <coughs> so Brahman also is both aparam and param. Brahman meaning God obtaining which within time, space and cause also. But God that obtains every universe within the framework of time, space and causality in his true nature is beyond the, the limitations of time, space and causality. This is not difficult for us to understand now with the, with the uh, discoveries of the science. Where Einstein and the, the scientists told us that this universe is, they called it the theory of relativity. That the universe that we perceive is not everything that there is. It is not theory of relativity, it is theory of absolute as a matter of fact, meaning that the universe that we perceive is in fact a projection of a, a reality which is a higher degree of reality. 
It's amazing how the scientists came up with this on their own. It's just, it's just genius. That what we perceive is relative. That is, so the Newtonian uh, physics and the scientists thought that this is absolute reality. That there is something fixed, so the, according to them, the time, space, etc. was fixed, they're fixed. Atom was the indestructible uh, fundamental building block. And that's how they explain the functioning of the universe, which gave a very good explanation, but not sufficient, not adequate to explain everything. So there are many phenomena that those laws could not explain. Phenomena happening in subparticle world, they could not be explained. Phenomena happening in huge bodies like the stars also could not be explained by the laws of Newton. Then they realize that this framework is not enough. But then this framework is based on accepting the world as real. Maybe that is not right. And thus they come up with this understanding that the world that we perceive is not the ultimate reality. It's a relative reality. It's a projection. This is the word they use. It's a projection of a reality which is of a higher order. That's all we are saying. Brahma Satyam, Jagat Mithya. Jagat is Mithya. Creation is Mithya. I mean, it is a relative reality. Brahma Satyam is a projection of Brahman, which is the absolute, uh, absolute meaning, which is not relative. Which means it is not, which is not dependent upon anything. Which is self-existing, self-revealing, that is called absolute or limitless. O Lord, you are Param Brahma, you are Brahman, that is absolute, that is limitless, that is free from every limitation. Even though you appear with all the limitations, but then I understand that now, that we are really Brahman, that is limitless. Param Dhamma. Dhamma means abode, or Dhamma also means light. You are the ultimate abode, or you are the ultimate light. You are the light of all the lights, I can understand. Let the sun and the moon and the fire, all of them shine because of your light. Param Dhamma. You are the ultimate light. You are the ultimate intelligence. You are the ultimate awareness. Pavitram Paramam. You are Paramam Pavitram. You are the greatest purifier, Pavitra. Pavitra means that which is pure, or Pavitra really means that which purifies or sanctifies. Paramam Pavitram. You are a sanctifier, nobly sanctifier, Paramam, or Uttamam Pavitram, Paramam Pavitram. You are the most exalted sanctifier. Now there are things in the world which sanctify. It is believed that if you take a dip in the Ganges, then you, all your sins will be washed out, because Ganges sanctifies. The fire also sanctifies, purifies, air also purifies, all the are purifiers. All of them gain their ability to purify because of whom? Because of you. It's you who is the really, it's you who is the very core or the very self because of which they are able to sanctify, purify. Paramam Pavitram, you are the great purifier, the greatest sanctifier. Here, you know, how did you come to know all of this? How did you come to know this? On what basis do you say this? Oh, because the Lord, this is what the sages say. Still, Arjuna is sort of relating what he has heard. These are not quite his words. They are his words. But now, still, he says that this all this he has heard earlier. In fact, when the Pandavas were in exile for 13 and 1, 14, for 12 and 1, 13 years, in 12, for 12 years they were in exile and wandering in the forest, but thank God that the eldest brother was Yudhishthira, Dharmaputra. 
And he was, of course, uh, he was Dharmaputra. He was the one wedded to righteousness and wedded to spiritual uh, growth. And therefore, he was a great devotee of Lord. And great devotee of all the sages, therefore, he would always have these, these kind of spiritual discussions wherever he would go. And these other brothers also become part of that. So they have heard all this. But perhaps it may not have been clear to him so far, but today he discovers. After what he heard from Lord Krishna in those verses, he says, Lord, you are Paramam Param Brahma, Param Dhamma, Paramam Pavitram. How do you say? Because that's what the sages say. What do the sages say? Purusham, Shashvatam, Divyam, Adidevam, Ajam Vibhum. They say that you are Purusha. Purusha means the Purnaha. The one who is complete, one who is whole. The word Purusha is explained in different ways. The word Purusha can be said to be derived from the word Pur. Pur means the, the city. So Purusha, Purishayanath, one who dwells in the city. Which city? City of the body. So that consciousness, the self that dwells in the city of the body, is called Purusha. That's why we have these divisions, Purusha and Prakriti, spirit and matter. So this body is material in which the spirit dwells. So one that dwells in all these beings, in all the cities of the bodies or upadis is called Purusha. When I say body, I mean the gross as well as the subtle body. So one who dwells, one who eliminates that body, one who fills the body, Purusha, one who fills up everything. Puranat, Purusha, one who fills up everything. One because of whom everything is what it is. The dog is a dog because of whom. A cat is a cat because of whom? A fire is fire because of whom? Sun is sun because of whom? Anything is whatever it is because of whom? That is the Purushaha. He fills up everything. Without him everything would be void. Purushaha. Purusha also means the consciousness, a conscious being, the one that dwells in the city of the body, one who is full and complete, one who fills up everything. Purusham, Shashvatam. Shashvatam means that which is eternal. Shashvatam. So this is what, O Lord, sages say about you, that you are Purusha, that you are the whole, the complete being, you are the very consciousness that dwells in the hearts of all the beings and that fills up everything, that completes everything. Shashvatam, that you are imperishable. You are eternal or imperishable. So that's very interesting, because whatever we come across or whatever we experience is all perishable. Understand that whatever the experience is perishable, but then that perishable has its being in what? In imperishable. The perishable has its being in imperishable. The truth of the perishable is imperishable. That is, when we take something that is perishable and probe into this, into what it is that is the fundamental substance of it, this is made? Asti, Bhati, Priyam, which is imperishable. You are the imperishashvatam. Divyam. Divyam means what? Divine. But Divyam word is derived from the word div. Div in the sense of heaven. Divi bhavam, divyam. That is obtained in heaven. What do you mean heavens? Heavens is beyond this world. Alaukikam, which is not laukika, which is not worldly. Which can be perceived. Idea is that loka means that which can be perceived. Divyam, that which cannot be perceived. That is beyond the perception. You are the one because of whom the perception takes place, who cannot be confined within these perception limits, but the one because of whom the perceptions take place. 
That's why they say, you know, that the, what is it, uh, the kingdom of heavens is, is within you. That kingdom of heavens alone is called live, this, this live, I mean these heavens. So Divya means the one who lives in the heavens. The heaven is nothing but the heart. So one who dwells in the heart. Heart is also called heaven when the heart is pure. So as the Upanishads often describe, the seat of the Lord is in heart. Heart is not just a physical heart, but say, they say, within the physical heart, there is a space. In the space is the seat of the mind. In the mind, the Lord shines as a consciousness. So it's Divya, in short, the one who dwells in the, in the heart, which is pure, so Divya, or one who is beyond all limitations, one who cannot be beyond the sense of perception, Adi Devam, the source of all the gods. Who is Adischa, Devascha, Adi Devaha. Adi means beginning, and Deva means God. You know how the word Deva is derived? Devatanat, Devaha. The one who shines is called Devaha. So Devata is the one that is shining one, effulgent one. Is Adi Devaha. He is the one that is the beginning of everything, as well as the shining one self-effulgent one. You are the very consciousness. That is the beginning of everything. So this is interesting because the scientists would tell us that the beginning of everything is matter and from the matter the consciousness came. In that ocean, whatever it is in this primordial soup, something happened and the consciousness evolved. The consciousness manifested. But here this Adi Deva, Deva means the shining ones, the self-effulgent, the consciousness, that itself is the beginning. So you are the one that is the cause of everything, and you are the one that is self-shining, self-revealing, self-existing, self-sustaining. And from you all of the gods have come, and the whole universe has come. Adi Devam. Ajam, you yourself are unborn, so consciousness is unborn. Matter is born, consciousness is unborn. But Swami, that's not right. Scientists tell us, you know, look at the, the look at the universe. What do you find everywhere? There are millions and millions and billions of galaxies. All of them are all matter. Even in our own galaxy also, in our own solar system, everything is matter. Sun is also matter and the planets are all matter. The life actually is an accident, they say. Life just happens to be only on the earth. Which, is, which occupies an insignificant place in the cosmos. And in earth also, life is still in minority, you know. In earth also, the majority is all inert matter, so <coughs> life is an accident, they say. An accident that happened on account of the combination of matter in a certain way, this is what they say. So is life an accident? Or is matter an accident? That is, what is accident? Just because something obtains in great amount does not make it real. The, the, the criterion for what is true, the real is that which cannot be negated. And consciousness is I, I cannot be negated and so Adhidevam, that's the beginning, that's the cause of everything from which the whole material universe has emerged. We don't even divide, we don't even look upon divisions such as conscious and matter, really speaking. Even though for the purpose of our interaction, we do create distinctions such as sentient and inert. With ultimate analysis, we don't call anything, nothing is inert really. Everything is nothing but consciousness alone. 
consciousness manifesting in a certain form. That's all it is. There is nothing inert. Ultimately, everything is intelligence. Everything is consciousness. Adevam ajam anvon vibhum. The word vibhu can be understood two ways. Vividhena bhavati. The one who manifests in various forms. Or vibhu, one who pervades everything. So you are the all-pervading Lord in various forms. Unborn, the cause of all, self-shining, limitless, uh, imperishable. This is how they describe you. This is how they say. Second verse, Ahustvam Rushaya Sarve. This is how Rushaya, Sarve Rushaya. That's how all the sages talk about you. That's how all the sages tell that this is how you are. They speak of you. Devarshihi Naradastatha. Sarve Rushaya. All the sages of Lord speak of you in this manner, that you are like this. And still Arjuna gives specific names. In fact, when you say all the sages, means all the sages. And this is Devarshihi Naradaha. This is Sid Narada says. We'll see in sages also there are different kinds of sages, Rishis. There is a Maharshi and there is a Brahmarshi and there is a Devarshi and Rajarshi, you know, different kinds of Rishis are there. So Rishi among the Devatas, you know, is called Devarshi. So sage Narada was not only a sage, but the sage among the gods. One is born as Devada and one who is sage, Devarshi. That puts him in a great high category. So sage Narada talks about, speaks of you like this. Asitaha, sage Asita. Devalaha, Vyasaha. All of these sages, they, Asita is the father of Devala. So, these are the sages. So, even though Arjuna said that all the sages talk about, speak of you in this manner, he still mentions a few names because these are very prominent even among the sages. Therefore, even after saying all the, all the people say about it, and Swami also says that. Oh, Swamiji is including all people, but then you still mention some who are dis- very eminent. So similarly, all the sages speak of you like this at the same time, and also among them, the sage Narada and Asitaha and Devala and Vyasa, all of them speak of you in this manner. Therefore, I have no doubt that you are Param Brahma, you are Param Brahma, you are Paramam Pavitram. <coughs> And since all of them, all these great sages have said it, therefore, but what do you say? What is your conviction? This is what they said. What do you have to say? Then Arjuna says that in the 14th verse. Sarvametadrutam manye, sarvametadrutam manye, yanmam vadasikeshava, yanmam vadasikeshava, Nahite Bhagavan Vyaktim Nahite Bhagavan Vyaktim Vidur Devana Dhanavaha Vidur Devana Dhanavaha Saram Edad Rutamanye Oh yes, when they I forgot to mention one thing in the previous verse Asito Devalo Vyasa, all of them say Swayam Seva Bravishime Oh Lord, you also say that not only all the sages speak of you in this manner, that you are Param Brahma, Param Dhamma, Paramam Pavitram, but Swayam Seva Bhavishime, and indeed you yourself tell me that. You yourself say that you are Brahman. 
You associate that you are Paramdhama, Taddhama, Paramamama. You associate that. What do you think of all these things? What do you think when the sages say like this about me and when I say, I speak of myself in this manner? Arjuna, what do you think? Sarvameta Dutamanye. All of, all of these I take to be considered true. So this is the conviction. This is Arjuna's own words, his conviction. Lord, all these the sages say and what all you speak about yourself, all of these. Means speak about the Lord or the reality, I consider to be true. <coughs> That's the command. It's called Aptavakya. Aptavakya means the words of the learned, not only words of the enlightened. So words of those who are enlightened with reference to that subject matter, as well as those who are compassionate and selfless. So these sages are like that, of course you are like that, and therefore this is the word, these are the words which are, which are the valid means of knowledge, and Rutamanye. I am convinced that this is indeed right. Yanmam Varasikeshava, all this, O Lord, that you have told me so far in all these chapters, all of these I consider to be true. <coughs> all right, so of course, Lord said many things. I am the creator, I am the sustainer, I am the dissolver, I am the ordainer. All of this, I am the omniscient, I am the omnipotent. In many ways this has been said. And I am everywhere, I am everything. I am alone, I alone am, I am the non-dual. All of this has been said, all of this I consider to be true. <coughs> that I am the maker, I am the material, whatever, all of this is true. Nahite bhagavan vyaktim vidur devanadanavaha because, particularly because you say, even though sages say that it's fine, but Lord, you yourself say it. And I consider that to be true. Because, te vyaktim, your personality or your glories, your being, naviduhu devanadanavaha. The gods as well as the demons. So the demons also are very powerful people sometimes. Neither gods nor demons know your glories. Your they do not know your dimension in the totality. The gods know you, no doubt, in certain ways. They know a part of you. As I said yesterday, who are the gods? Nothing but comparable to the different, different senses of the Lord. So eyes know the world, all right, but eyes know them only in that way. They know only the, the light and the form. The ears also know something, just know the sounds. The nose also knows something, just the fragrance. So every sense father knows things, no doubt, only within its own range of understanding, knowledge. So also gods know you, but no part of you. Nahite Bhagavan Vyaktim Vidur Devanadanavaha Hey Bhagavan, you are the one who is possessed of all the Bhaga, Bhagavan. Samadra Aishwarya Sampanna, all the Aishwarya you have, the sixfold Aishwarya. So, therefore, the one who possesses all the might, who possesses all the knowledge, who possesses all the wisdom, all the righteousness, all the renunciation, everything that you possess, He Bhagavan, Te Vyaktim, your glory, your being, Devanadanavaha Viduhu, neither gods nor demons. And add one more, Maharshaya, not the sages, none of them know you in fully as you are. They know you, no doubt. As I said, there are two ways of knowing things. It is nice to say that by knowing the clay that you know the path, that's okay. That way, sages know God all right. 
That's how we say that the wise people are also omniscient. By this definition, Kasminam Hava Vijnade, Saranam Vijnadam Hodivi, knowing all the weird sir, what it is knowing which everything becomes known. And the example is given just as by knowing one particle of clay, how everything made up of clay is as well known. Because you know everything, you know this object as clay. But that's one aspect. You know it only as clay. You still don't know who has made this. You will not know how many, how, when it was made, how long it will be there, what is its use, all of these other things to know also. Which is not now of consequence. What is of consequence is to know this object as clay and the, the knowledge of consequence is attained and that is enough. However, still, there are what we call the, this part is many glowings. Part is this yoga of the nature, that is clay, that's fine. But part is many glowings. What are the glowings? Oh, it is a certain size, it is a certain dimension, it is a certain usefulness. It can fill water in there, it can fill honey also, it can fill many things in there. It can be used in various ways. Oh, if the Ganges water is filled in there, it will place an altar and then you will also show the light of lamps before that. Or the poor part also can be placed there and people can spit things in there. That also can happen. All the various glories of the part. Who knows that? Nobody can know even one part, even one atom in its totality. Nobody can know. As they say, that the one I just read once, a particular, some animal in Australia and some particular cells that are obtained in the stomach of these animals if all the scientists of the world if they keep on investigating all the time about that one cell and they will still not know it because in order to know one cell you must know the whole universe anyway there is no one who will know these glories in totality, no one so very often they ask the question Swamiji does the wise man know everything? Yes, in a way, but not in another way. In a way he knows everything. What is to be known? What is the reality he knows? He knows that Brahman is the reality of everything, including myself. Yes, that he knows. But he doesn't know how many sand particles there are on this earth. He doesn't know that. So that is another kind of knowledge. Knowledge of all the... That's what we call the glory. Nahitaya Bhagavan Vyaktim Vizur Devan Dhanavaha All the Devas the gods, Dhanavas, the demons, Mahasaya, all the great sages, even they also do not know, you are glorious. You are the only one who knows, and therefore, whatever you have said so far, I consider it to be true. <coughs> How does Lord Krishna know? Who taught him? Everybody knows because they are being taught. How does Arjuna, how is he sure that Lord Krishna knows what he is talking about? This is very important, you know. For us to have a conviction that a person knows what he's talking about is not impo- not ordinary thing. That's what we call Shraddha. See, Arjuna the disciple, we say how wonderful Arjuna, or how fortunate he is. That he has this conviction now that whatever the teacher is saying is right, he knows what he's talking about. So what, may, what created this conviction, Arjuna, that whatever Lord Krishna was telling you was right, Lord Arjuna expresses that in the fifteenth verse. Swayamevatmanatmanam Swayamevatmanatmanam Vethatvam Purushottama Vethatvam Purushottama 
भूत भावन भूतेश भूत भावन भूतेश देव देव जगतपते देव देव जगतपते स्वयं एव बिफोर द मीन्स इसको पुरुषोत्तम योग सो वर्ड पुरुषोत्तम इज एक्सप्लेन इन फिफ्टीन चैप्टर यू नो पुरुषोत्तम पुरुष प्लस उत्तम विकास पुरुषोत्तम वी जस्ट एग्जामिन वर्ड इज द मीनिंग वर्ड पुरुष पुरुष मीन्स वन इज होल अ कंप्लीट बींग द कॉन्शियसनेस दैट पुरुष पुरुष बट दैट पुरुष ऑल्सो इज उत्तम उत उत्तर उत्तम Lord Krishna says there are these two four expressions or manifestations of mind dwavimo purusha loke kshara chakshara eva cha kshara sarvani bhutani kutastho kshara uchade here is una there is a two four manifestation of mind in the universe <coughs> kshara purusha and akshara purusha the perishable and the imperishable has una all that the world that you see and Of course, we should not forget to include our body in that. Of course, anyway. But then, all that we see and experience is all perishable. So that is the. There is also purusha. There is also God. That is this perishable expression. Let's call sharaf purusha. And and what is the cause of this perishable world? The cause of the perishable world is called Maya. The primordial cause. What we call prakriti. The primordial matter. That is called. imperishable in this case kshara purusha akshara purusha the effect is called perishable the cause imperishable who am i uttama purushastvanya paramatme chudahruta ha uttama purusha the purusha the most exalted one is that different from the two he is different from the effect and the cause he is beyond both the cause and effect He is a very substratum of the cause and effect. Uttama purusha is called purushottama. That means one who is beyond the ideas of cause and effect, because the effect is always limited in time. Even cause also is always limited. And therefore, purushottama, the uttama purusha, the the most exalted, or the most ultimate, the limitless purusha. All that is say that is his true nature. In your absolute true nature, you are purushottama. You are the uttama purusha. So you are the limitless person. You are the limitless being. Hey purushottama. So Arjuna sees something. He no more sees Lord Krishna as a person now. What does he address him? Purushottama. Purusha means a person. Purushottama. You are the uttama purusha. You are the limitless being. You know yourself. The reason why I I I am convinced that what you are saying is right, or you you know what you are saying, is because swamiyavatmanatmanam tomvith. Because you know yourself by yourself. Swamiyava. This is the only one who knows things by himself. Everybody else knows because they are taught. Every teacher also must have been a disciple at some point. That's when India they always ask who is your guru. If you go for bhiksha, there are what the anakshetras where they distribute food to the sadhus. If you go there, then you must give your identification. Who are you to qualify to get that 
the free food. And one of the first question is, oh, Guru Sthanam, who is a Guru? So even though I, even though his person may be a Guru, he must have a Guru. And my Guru also must have a Guru because every Guru must have a disciple at some time. Because everybody is born ignorant. And therefore the ignorance must be shared and the knowledge must be imparted. There can be any number of Gurus, of course. When we say Guru means Guru of Brahma Vidya. As far as other aspects of knowledge are concerned, there could be any number of Gurus. But then as Swamiji says, when we express this whole lineage, parampara, that my Guru also was a disciple, he had the Guru who also was a disciple, he had a Guru who was also a disciple, and like this, if you go on, where Swamiji, who is the first Guru? When did this all begin? <laughs> but here we can answer this question. Elsewhere we say there is no beginning. But here the answer can be given. Not the beginning, but who is the first one? So when did this parampara begin? No answer. When were the Veda written? No answer. When the Veda originated? No answer. But who gave out the Vedas? Answer. Where will this whole parampara, the whole succession, it has to find a resting place somewhere. Where? The one who is the first Guru, who is Self-Guru. This whole succession of the, even when we say the cause and effect also, that the, 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 the part comes from the clay, and clay comes from the earth, and earth comes from this, and like the atoms and molecules, molecules and atoms, and all of these when we trace, all of this succession must come to an end, some place where there is, which is beyond the cause and effect. Similarly also, this succession of the student-teacher lineage also must come to a conclusion, some place where, where the one that doesn't have to be the disciple. Swamiva, oh Lord, you know yourself without being taught by anybody, because your embodiment of knowledge. So the ultimate truth is also Jnanam, Satyam, Jnanam Anantam Brahma. Satyam is truth. What's the nature of truth? Jnanam. It's also the nature of knowledge. It's a knowledge that is manifest, embodied as Lord Krishna. Of course, knowledge embodied as Arjuna also. And knowledge is embodied as everything. So when the knowledge becomes embodied in a given name and form, we call it an object. We call it creation. But what it is, is nothing but knowledge. So, Swamiva. You are the one who is embodiment of knowledge and therefore you know yourself without being taught by anybody. Atmana, by yourself. Atmana, you know yourself, by yourself. That means you know yourself as the one possessed of all the glories. You also know yourself the one that is beyond all the glories. What do you call Sopadikam? Nirupadikam. Oh Lord, you know yourself as possessed of all the Upadis, as all the attributes. Nirupadikam, you also know yourself as the one that is beyond all the upadis, beyond all the limitations. <coughs> Understand that Supadikam, the Lord with Upadi, Lord with attributes, is to be is always known as someone different from me. For Lord beyond the attributes has to be known as my own self. Avishaya. So you know all of this as well as you know your very self. <coughs> Vaitthatvam, I know that you know and that's the reason why I know you know what you're talking about. Therefore, I know that I'm convinced, I'm a conviction that what all you are saying is true. This is so important. Because then the mind is resolved. Then the mind is no resistance. Mind is no problems at all. Then mind just can absorb everything that comes. 
We can't demand this. We cannot will that. But the point is, if somebody is fortunate to have that, suppose somebody is fortunate to have that shraddha, have that conviction, that whatever is being said is right. What a wonderful situation would that be, because that mind is absorb everything like a sponge. There's no resistance at all. And who are you? These verses are very beautiful verses of prayer, by the way. Arjuna, in the 11th chapter, Arjuna has, of course, beautiful verses of prayer of the, the cosmic form. But in the 10th chapter also, these are the beautiful verses of prayer. Bhuta Bhavana, Bhutesha, Deva Deva, Jagatpate. That you know yourself because you are Bhuta Bhavana. Bhutani Bhavayadeti, Bhuta Bhavana. So, oh, there is some problem in the translation, but anyway. Alright. So, Bhuta Bhavana means one who brings into being all the things. Bhuta Bhavana. You are the cause of bringing to manifestation the whole universe. You are the creator. You are the father of the whole universe. Bhuta Bhavana. So, one who brings into being everything. So, the whole universe has been brought into being by you. That means you are the creator. <coughs> Bhuta Bhavana. Bhutesha. Then also your Bhuta Isha. Isha means the Lord. Bhuta Naam Isha Bhutesha. <coughs> so you are the Bhutesha. You are the ordainer. Or you are the controller. You are the ruler of everyone. So you have brought the whole universe into being. Bhuta Bhavana. You are the very source of the whole universe. The whole universe emerged from you. You are the very father, the creator of the universe. But sometimes what happens is the father may create all right, but the child may be, you know, father may have no control. It's possible. Sometimes we create things all right, but the creation becomes independent of us. The Lord also may have created the world and the world does what it wants to do. Bhutesha. He's an Ishvara. He's a ruler of the entire universe. So he's, <coughs> he's a Niyanta, what we call the Niyanta, the controller. He is the very order. You are also the very order which keeps the whole universe under control and everything functions according to you in keeping with your order. It's a Bhutesha. Alright, father you are, the controller you are, still nobody may like you. He says, no, no, Deva Deva, Deva Nam Deva. You are the one who is worshipped by all the gods. So you are the most worshipful one. Deva means the God who is worshipful. Deva Deva, the God of the gods, meaning the one who is worshipped by gods also. One who is adored by everybody. This is, see, the ideal, ideal father, the one who is creator, one who is at the same time the controller also. But how does he control? Usually one who controls always is unpopular fellow. Nobody likes people who control them. We, we don't like anybody who controls us. We don't want to be controlled. We don't like the idea of God as a controller. But not only is controller, Deva Deva. He is the most adored one. That is, he controls in such a manner that nobody feels that they are controlled. So you are controller. In, so his controlling is meant for the well-being of those who are controlled. Sometimes the control is there for my security. But here, God being the very security, therefore, his control is for the well-being of those who are controlled. And therefore, all the beings adore you, they all worship you, they all revere you. 
Why is it so? Jagat Pate. Because of Pati. Pati means Palakaha. Pati. So one who protects is called Pati. Power Pati, Pita, all of these come from the root Pa. Pa means to protect. Pita also protects. Pita means father also protects. Pati means husband also protects. That's why it's called Pati. In those days. These days you may have to change the definition, but then, those days. Because, it, see how life of woman was looked upon like this, that when the woman is growing, then she is under the care of her father. When she gets married, then she is under the care of her husband. And when she gets old, she is under the care of her son. That's why all of them start with pa, Pita, who also protects. Pati also protects. Putra also protects. So woman is always under care, you know. Anyway, this was the place is a protective society. It's not that they want to suppress women. They thought that she needs protection. It's a protective society. And therefore, God also is protector. His pati. Jeva Deva Jagatpati. You are the protector. You are the nourisher. You are this provider of the entire universe. <coughs> so you are also Jagatpati. You know the best way that the Lord protects the universe is by giving us the scriptures. And that's how showing the path, showing the light, like illumining our path. And that's how he really takes care of our well-being. So you are such and therefore there's no question that you know what you're talking about. And therefore and no question in accepting as true your words or not. <coughs> so Arjuna thus uh, presents his prayer. There is some desire behind that, of course. There's a reason why he says that. Reason means that there is some desire. As I said, when Lord said that I light the lamp of knowledge in their heart and thus they are, they, they, they become liberated, then he, he wants that. So in, in, in sort of preface to what Arjuna is asking, is going to ask, he first of all praises the Lord. I mean, not quite like that, but still you may say, like, the, like a little son, you know, who wants some favor from the father wants to go to a movie and so when the father comes home from work then he's all rushes to runs to the father and then takes away his shoes and his socks and then brings a glass of water everything the father knows that the fellow wants something from me <laughs> dad can I go to a movie tonight so similarly Arjuna also is praising the Lord to make him favorable so that he can then request or, Lord, you are like this, as I said, and therefore you cannot but fulfill my prayers. In that way, he is going to say, we will continue in the evening. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantav Punapunaha Ishvara Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo namaha Hari Om